A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's me, Ariel. Today I want to share with you a brand new podcast from our motherboard team at Vice News. The show is excellent. It's called Motherboard Money, and it's about the connection between the economy and technology. You've already heard some of the reporters behind this series on our show. They have told you about what's happening with gas prices and artificial intelligence. But if you want to dig deeper to better understand how all this new tech is affecting our everyday lives and the money in your wallet, you should really check out Motherboard Money wherever you get your podcasts. The first episode is extremely good, and we're going to play it for you right now. It's about how AI is helping people keep multiple jobs all at once in the same eight-hour time span, and what that means for how we think about work and the future. Here's the episode. Hey, I'm Jason Kebler. I'm the editor-in-chief of Motherboard over at Vice. We cover tech news, broadly defined. What does that mean? It's changed a lot over the last 10 years that I've been here, which is a really long time. I used to write about drones. Now I write about big tech, cybersecurity, hacking, artificial intelligence, labor, the gig economy. We do a lot of stuff about porn, urban planning, public transportation, housing, Anything that could be defined as the future or interacting with tech, which as probably know now means most things that we do and see and touch every day. So over the last few years, we've noticed that all of the things that we write about have this really important economic angle. The U.S. government is stepping in to shore up confidence in the banking system following the sudden collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. How do gig workers make ends meet? Why did oil prices go below zero? All hell continues to break out in crypto land. It may have started with the fall of FTX and Sam Bankman fried but it sure isn't ending there. How is the average person's job going to be impacted by the AI revolution? Zuckerberg announcing another round of layoffs, 10,000 more. They're going to close 5,000 open rolls as well. You can see the reaction in the market today. What's up with GameStop stock? GameStop's wild ride on Wall Street took a few more sharp turns today when Robinhood and other online trading apps suddenly restricted trades in the stock. And we started looking into, like, what are the systems that create chaos like this? When I say greedy, you say Amazon greedy! Amazon workers walking out at the company's largest air freight facility on the West Coast. We started seeing all the ways in which money intersects with all these topics we're interested in. And then we thought we needed a place to explain these dynamics, which are changing all the time. So that's what this show is about. What's happening in the economy through the lens of tech. From Vice News, I'm Jason Kebler, and this is Motherboard Money. So we've been hearing a lot about AI recently, 
Every time I go to a bar, I'm talking about ChatGPT or Google's Bard or Bing Chat or GPT-4. A lot of people have been saying this is the AI revolution. The age of artificial intelligence is here. And my friends, my parents, they are asking me, what is the deal with ChatGPT? What's going on with AI? Generative AI is changing the game. And maybe a lot of other things, too. And people are saying, should I be using this? Is it going to impact my life? Should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds smarter than our own? So today, we are going to talk about the impact that AI is having on a certain subsect of people who have taken matters into their own hands and are working multiple jobs with the help of AI. And we are going to be talking to senior reporter at Motherboard, Maxwell Strawn, who spent much of the last year, year and a half, talking to people who are getting more than one paycheck every couple weeks. Hi, Maxwell. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Jason? I'm good. Just here working my single and only job. Boring, traditional. So, Maxwell, when we use the term overemployment, what are we talking about? And who are we talking about? We're talking about people who have two or more full-time salaried, often white-collar jobs. These are people who mostly do their jobs online or remotely oftentimes, and they became a big community during uh, the early days of the pandemic when a lot of people were working at home for the first time. A lot of people, particularly in the tech space, kind of engineer coding side, started to try and take on two, three full-time jobs and uh, make the most out of their time in isolation. And, you know, in that way, I don't think they're that unusual. Like, I think there's a lot of people who kind of realized a lot of their job was bullshit. A lot of meetings that didn't really amount to much. A lot of talking around what they might theoretically do in the future. Yeah, I feel like for a while, we, meaning people on the internet, spent a lot of time talking about side hustles. It's like, oh, I have this full-time job, but on the side, I do drop shipping where I just like have a side business or I have an Etsy or I write content for my blog or whatever. Overemployment is not a side hustle. It's like two or more full-time corporate jobs with HR departments and Slack entities or Microsoft team meetings, like go into all hands with the CEO. Yeah. It's like juggling. And I guess that the other kind of defining aspect of overemployment is almost always, and almost by definition, the two employers don't know about each other. You know, maybe they're working for competitors or at least companies in the same realm. So that secretive aspect is also really important. And why a lot of people are reluctant to talk to, you know, your, your local motherboard journalist. So like how much are some of these people making? I think it really varies. I mean, I spoke to one guy working two jobs, earning about 500000 wanting to throw in a third and earn 800000 But there are some people, I looked at some pay stubs where they were cobbling together three jobs. So maybe a monthly take-home pay of nine k which is a lot, but I think it does vary a lot. One guy was like, look at it this way. With one job, I'll save, you know, 10 to 20% of my income per year if I'm lucky. 
with two jobs, I can save 110% of my income. And with three, I could be saving a decade's worth uh, every year and, you know, uh, be well on my way to retirement by the time I'm 35. So, you know, there there's substantial money to be made. So some people are supercharging this. And that's the subject of your most recent story. And one of my favorite stories that we've done in a long time It's people who have said, okay, two jobs, great. Let's do three, let's do four, let's do five. And I'm going to offload some of this work to my AI assistant, ChatGPT. Yeah, I mean, you know, we started noticing in the overemployed community that a lot more discussion was being paid to how can we use ChatGPT to do our jobs in even less time? Like, what can I start automating? So... Yeah, we reached out to a lot of people and obviously a lot of people were like, please don't write about this. We wanted the least amount of exposure we can. Overemployment is something we're trying to keep a lid on. But, you know, I was able to talk to a good number of people, too, who said a wide variety of things. Sometimes it was someone who had already started working two jobs during the pandemic and then ChatGPT allowed them to push it up to three or four, like you said. But I also spoke to people who weren't able to pull off overemployment when the pandemic first started and ChatGBT gave them the ability to start piling on more jobs. I actually was able to talk to this guy who we're going to call Ben. He works in Toronto in the fintech scene on marketing projects. And he was willing to speak with us on the condition that we changed his name. So his name isn't Ben. And we altered his voice to protect his identity. All right, Ben. Well, uh, thank you so much for speaking with us today. I appreciate you coming on. No problem. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to this call. So how many full-time gigs do you have right now? So I have two full-time gigs plus one part-time. So when did you first kind of get the idea to take on multiple jobs at once? Uh, Last year, a couple of friends and I got together and my friend told me that he got another job. I was like, oh, so you're doing like one job from 9 to 5 p.m. and then you're doing the other job from like 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. And he said, no, like I'm actually doing it at the same time. I got a two different laptops and, you know, I get paid double the money for doing the same amount of work. I was like, kind of like, oh, yeah, it would be nice to have a second job. But what if things got busy? And then, you know, one day my boss was like, oh, there's this new tool that came out that can probably help us with our job, right? And I started looking into it and I'm like, damn, this like takes hours of work and like, Turns it into like five, 10 minutes of prompts back and forth with chat GPT. Then all of a sudden I have all this free time. Right. I'm like, damn, now I can definitely like start thinking about doing two, three jobs at once. I would say around 60 to 70% of my job chat GPT does for me. It feels like, it feels like I'm a manager and it Uh feels like chat GPT is my assistant. Like as an actual employee of the company. So how do you use ChatGBT in your job? Give me a sense of like what what specifically you're doing that really improves your efficiency. I have these prompts set up when I start a fresh conversation with GPT-4. I call it like J1Bot, J2Bot, J3Bot. And just, and just for our listeners, J1, J2, J3 that you're referring to job one, job two, and job three? Yes, sir. That's overemployed terminology right there. Yeah, you're going to see all over the subreddit. <laughs> so J1 bot, I, t- I have a prompt written up where it says, hi, my name is Ben. 
this is my title, this is the company that I work at, this is the job description, this is what I do, are you ready to help me with tasks, right? <laughs> and then ChatGPT4 says, yes, I'm ready to help you with tasks. And then I give it the context for the company that I work at, what the industry is, what our product and services are, what my responsibilities are, and then I tell it to think like me and answer the questions that I'm going to give it to like me. I do the right. same thing for J2 and I do the same thing for J3. I got a different bot set up. Do you ever use ChatGPT just for like inner office communications to connect, you know, to respond to your boss or something like that? Yeah, all the time. So my boss will ask me a question, like an ad hoc question, but like, hey, have you thought about doing this? And then if I'm working on J2 or J3, I just paste that message into ChatGPT and I tell it to respond. Lowercase, maybe add some <laughs> spelling mistakes, add an LOL at the end or haha, something informal <laughs> to make it um, seem like it's not a ChatGPT response. Because if you don't tell ChatGPT to talk like a human, it gives you like responses that are like so robotic and you can tell. Got to keep it casual. Yeah, I got to keep it casual. <laughs> and then my boss would be like, thanks for the quick response. That was a great answer. I'm like, no problem. <laughs> so Maxwell, have, uh, have you messed with ChatGPT yet? Like anyone, I've messed a little bit with ChatGBT, but I haven't tried to use it to uh, automate my job yet. You'll you'll be happy to know. Maybe 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 one day. I, w- I wouldn't tell you though. So I'm getting full on organic Maxwell content. One hundred percent of the time, <laughs> straight from but the brain. I- <laughs> More a hundred percent human generated content after the break. So Maxwell, from the people you spoke to, like some people are using it for Slack messages, others are using it for presentation outlines. Were there any examples that were like, oh, wow, that that's a good one? One that really stood out to me was I spoke to someone who had worked at a FANG company. FANG stands for either Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, Google. Uh, so he worked at one of those companies. And he used it for business memos, essentially. And, you know, he hated doing the memos. And so he'd kind of throw in a couple, you know, half-assed sentences about what he wanted to pull off and uh, then say, like, can you write this in an 800-word form and fill it out? And here's a sample template that you should kind of follow. And he said that it worked really well for that. So those sort of use cases, to use a crypto term, that take the work out of what could be considered bullshit job, corporate America type stuff, that that stuff seems to work pretty well, or at least seems pretty useful to people. The coding stuff, that seems to be more buggy. Things that are like truly unique ideas, that stuff seems to be a little touch and go. And then I talked to people who are a little bit less what you would think of when you think of overemployment, including someone who was a university lecturer in the UK who secretly runs a marketing agency and a tech startup on the side. He used it for uh, business plans to create internal system documents, blog posts, spreadsheets like the other guy. And he also said he was able to use it for uh, applying for a grant for the UK government. He said ChatGPT did about 50% of the work for that. So some people are getting incredibly creative out there. Yeah, there's this one just astounding quote and stat in the article. Uh, it's quote, ChatGPT does like 80% of my job, if I'm being honest. 
Yeah, I wasn't able to talk to this guy's manager. Who knows how well he's doing his job, but I think it shows that at least, you know, if you're really trying, uh, you can figure out how to use the tool for a pretty high percentage of your job. Whether it's better or worse, you know, we'd have to ask other people at the company. Right. And then you have been getting like leaked all hands videos of CEOs talking about return to office, which in part is designed to, at least in this one case, catch people who might be working multiple jobs. Right. I got an all hands of a company called Clearlink in Utah, and the CEO is forcing people to come back to the office, and they had a big virtual meeting about it. In one month this year alone, I got data that about 30 of you didn't even open or crack open laptops. And those are all remote employees, including their manager. During it, he kind of went on a tirade about, you know, why he was implementing this. And some of it, when he was feeling a little calmer, was like, I think people are more productive in the in the office and it's nice to have collaboration. And then like, you know, at a different point, he was like, I can't prove it, but I just can feel that people are working two jobs at once at this company. Some of our developers could be working for two different companies. We don't know. We hope that's not the case, but we don't know. In the same meeting, he also said, you know, Many content writers today are now exclusively using AI to write. We need to be using AI to work 30 times as productively as they used to. I can do that in about 30 minutes of an eight-hour workday. So what do we need to do? Let's put out 30 to 50 times our normal production. Those are sort of the concerns that you're going to see in a lot of companies. I'm sure there's a lot of paranoia amongst American CEOs about people working two jobs. And I bet there's a lot of CEOs that are thinking about how can we best exploit ChatGBT to, you know, jump out in front at a moment when the economy is, if not like in recession, very, very, very weird. Yeah. Uh, So I do want to talk about the ethics of this because it's like the bosses say that it's wrong, more or less. It's like, they're like, don't do this. Uh, I guess I'm wondering, like, what do these workers have to say? Like, is this a bad thing to do? Do Is it bad to work multiple jobs? (laughs) You won't be surprised to know that people doing it don't think it's a morally questionable thing to do for the most part. One guy that I spoke with was like, I don't really understand this in corporate jobs. You're not allowed to work two jobs at once. There's tons of people who work at Walmart and then go to another job. And, you know, that's totally fine. What's the issue here? What do you think would happen if uh, your bosses found out about the other jobs? Oh, man. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, both my jobs are in fintech, but their products are not competing with each other. But it's sure. funny that, you know, the whole executive committee, the whole C-level executives, the CEO, COO, if you go on their LinkedIn, you can see that they are holding multiple positions right. at once and it's right. okay for them to have three, five jobs. So is that how you justify it to yourself? You know, like you see the people at the top of the company are able to do whatever they want. Why can't I? I don't really see it as a justification. For me, it's like, my performance at J- J1 since I've gotten two jobs has actually gotten better huh. because I've started using ChatGPT, right? Yeah. So why would J1 have a problem with me having a J2? It's like we expect people who are making minimum wage to work multiple jobs. We expect CEOs to 
sort of have their weird philanthropies and side projects be on board real estate companies and side hustles and own rental property like all this stuff but then sort of in the middle it's like we expect workers to sign away all of their labor to a single company and doing anything outside of that is like seen as unethical somehow no you're totally right and like you know i guess part of your compensation when you're a full-time employee is stability theoretically you know like i get the same paycheck every two weeks i know that it's coming and you know i don't have to worry about what the next thing is and uh you know maybe you take a little bit less risk but that's the deal that you make but i think the problem is in the salaried positions that a lot of people are in they don't feel like it comes with stability you know like the jobs oftentimes compared to housing prices, compared to, you know, the cost of food, all these other sorts of things. One salary job oftentimes doesn't do enough for people. So I think that's why there's a fascination with the overemployed community. Even if people don't want to do it themselves, they see that there's something wrong with the way that we've sort of set up society that limits people and gives people at the top so much choice. And I think that frustration is justified, you know. Maxwell, have you heard of the term fully automated luxury communism? I have not. So it's this theory. It's like a, I guess it's a sci-fi theory, but it's also an economic theory that is basically like in the future, we will have robots who do our jobs, who create tons of wealth, who do sort of like what you need to have a society function. And then you will have communism where you take that wealth and you distribute it to everyone and everyone will have the luxury. It's luxury communism because everyone will have like a good standard of living and can do whatever they want and they can just like hang out and the robots will do all the jobs. (laughs) It's like, this is the (laughs) sort of utopian principle that like all of this AI stuff that we're doing, it's like, if robots and AI take all of our jobs, it doesn't have to be bad. Um, right. But it will be. Right. And it historically has been. And I think so far with AI, it's like all the wealth goes to open AI and the big tech companies <laughs> that develop the AI. And, you know, we don't have the tax system to make sure all of that is distributed properly at this point. Yeah. So, so I guess I'm wondering, like, how do you think this is all going to work out? I mean... I don't know. I tend to think that automation in the past has caused a lot of pain for people, even if it's temporary and even if employment eventually gets back up. Those are jobs that maybe aren't replaced in someone's lifetime. And so, yeah, you can say, yeah, we survived deindustrialization in Detroit. But like, if you ask the guy who lost his job in Detroit that never got it back again, he would say, you know, I never recovered from that. So will society be okay? And will there still be jobs in the future? I can't predict that, but I do think it's worth being worried about, you know, who is the car manufacturer in 2023? What can we do to support that person? You know, should their job be dissolved as a result of these new technologies? Yeah, I think that's really well said. I guess I'm cautiously optimistic that AI will automate a lot of the drudgery of white collar work. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I can get a robot to do the... Some of the legwork. Exactly. Like, I think that that's appealing to me. And I think if AI can do that to every job where people don't have to do sort of the 
menial, repetitive, boring tasks of their jobs and can focus more on the creative ones or focus more on deciding here's what's important, here's what we're going to focus on, that would be a good outcome. Do I think that outcome is going to happen? I, I don't know. As long <laughs> as people are happy and have some money, I will be happy with whatever outcome happens. So thank you to Maxwell for coming on and talking about people who are working five, six, seven, eight, nine jobs. I continue to just have one. But as I mentioned, AI is already affecting the way that I work, and it's probably going to impact the way that you work if it hasn't already. It's advances like this in technology that ultimately filter down to everyone. And I think it's important to use sort of these microcosms and use these case studies to show like, here's where the tech is now and to speculate about where it might be in the future. So that's what we're going to do on this show. This is not an advice show. We're not going to tell you where to invest or how to do it. But we are going to arm you with the information you need to understand what's going on, even when everything seems out of control. Motherboard Money is hosted by me, Jason Kebler. It's produced by Sophie Kazis and Sheena Ozaki. Our senior producer is Julia Nutter. Our supervising producer is Ashley Cleek. Emmanuel Mayberg is Motherboard's executive editor. Music and sound design by Pran Bandy. Fact-checking by Sophie Hurwitz. Janet Lee is our senior production manager. Charles Raggio is the VP of Vice Audio. You can also find stories like this at motherboard.vice.com. We'll be back next week. Please hit subscribe. Tell your friends. Five stars on iTunes, please. (laughs) Copy paste into the group chat. Tweet about it. Put up some smoke signals. I'm going to print out some stuff and nail it to the, the telephone poles all over LA. Put some flyers up. I'm going door to door with news of the podcast. I'm putting it on Boombox. Boombox around town. I'm selling this at the farmer's market. 